0: Welcome to Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. Sharon has a passion for scripture that will motivate and challenge you to immerse yourself in God's Word and apply His message to your everyday life. Visit seekingtruth.net to learn more about bringing Seeking Truth to your parish or to become an online learner. Today, it's part two of the book of Genesis, chapters 10 and 11. And now, Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. So seven covenant, oh, some are renewable, some are one, but but in the fullness, God has seven himself and made a sacramentum with us, a fullness of seven, seven, seven. Now, so Adam and Eve, I want to show you also how the covenants grow in and who they cover. Okay, so the first one, covenant with Adam and Eve, that was marital. That's two people, a marriage, man and woman. Adam's a priest, prophet, and king. Adam is king, priest, prophet, all of these will be, and so are you. You are a priest, prophet, and king by process of your baptism. How was he a king? Remember, God made Adam king of the original creation, and he let him name all the animals. That's a kingly act of naming. He had dominion in his kingdom how was he a priest he offered sacrifice a of blood atonement he taught his sons because Cain and Abel knew how to offer sacrifice God had to show them he had to give them animal skin to cover them and, and the blood how to sacrifice he was also a prophet can you imagine when they found dead Abel and how he had to teach his family and tell them what God wanted them to do now that they were wounded so that's the first covenant it's marriage it's two people how about Noah's covenant it's gonna get bigger. It's a bigger audience. How many are saved in this covenant? Ah, it's a familial covenant, eight in all. It was all him and his family. God is extending the covenant from two married people now to a whole family, eight in all. Noah is also a priest, a prophet, and a king. How is he a priest? He gets off the ark and immediately offers sacrifice on behalf of the family. How is he a prophet? Remember he told the secular world, that God was going to send rain. He was speaking God's truth and it didn't make him real popular with the people. How is he a king? He's a king over the new creation. This is a brand new creation and Noah is the king. God said he would establish a covenant with Noah and his family, a covenant, an eternal covenant. He'll send a sign, the beautiful bow. I said a bow in the cloud and it will be a sign of the covenant. So then how about the third covenant? This will be Abraham and a tribe. Okay, so marriage is two, family was eight, now tribe. It's even bigger, a tribe of people. We're going to see it in Genesis 15. On that day, the Lord God made a covenant with Abram and his descendants. The sign of this covenant is not a rainbow, but do you know? Yes, circumcision on the eighth day. Would you rather have a rainbow or the flint knife, men? (laughs) The next covenant will be with Moses. And this is even bigger now. We had a family. We had a we had a marriage. We had a family. We had a tribe, and now we have a nation. The covenant with Moses is a nation. They, he Moses will lead the twelve tribes of the nation of Israel out of the bondage of Pharaoh and Egypt. He will ratify a national covenant, a law designed by God to make them a holy nation, a chosen people set apart, and they will occupy the promised land of Canaan as an inheritance. The next covenant is going to be bigger yet. Who's this guy? David. This is the Davidic covenant, and it's going to be a kingdom. So we had a marriage, then a family, then a tribe, then a nation, now a kingdom. They just keep expanding and, and including more and more people. God would build a kingdom through David. It will have an everlasting throne to the son of David, who is destined to rule with divine wisdom and be over all the eternal worship of the heavenly father as predicted in 2 Samuel 7. We see it in Jesus Christ. He's the fulfillment of the Davidic kingdom. He will be great, the angel told Mary, your son. He's gonna be called the son of the most high God and the Lord God's going to give him the throne of his father, David. He's going to reign in the house of Jacob for how long? Forever. And his kingdom will have no end. It's an eternal kingdom. But the first five covenants, one through five, were attempted with human mediation, fallen human mediation, sinner human mediation, concupiscent human nature. And they all (laughs) failed to bring salvation. So we needed, none of those old covenants worked. So we needed a new covenant and this new covenant would take blood and it would take the most precious blood of Jesus Christ would be the perfect offering that the father would finally receive in totality and all the covenants one through five were attempted by human mediation all failed to bring salvation all fallen humans failed but God never failed God always stayed true to his word and to his covenants no fallen human could keep the law perfectly Humanity was cursed, and they keep moving, as you noticed, further east, further east, further east, further east, further east. east. God did not fail. When Jesus is crucified on the cross, he's the new temple, and water will flow out of his side to the east, and he'll the east, the east, the east, the east, the east. God said, I will never, ever break my covenant with you, Judges 2. Psalm 89, God said, I will not violate my covenant or, or, or alter the word that went forth from my lips. God is always true. Because God always had this plan in the logos of his mind, of his eternal mind before the beginning of time. And it was Jesus Christ, the culmination of the Father's pedagogy. Of all his teaching always ends in Jesus Christ. Hebrews 8 tells us that Christ has obtained a ministry which is much more excellent than the old. As the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion for a second. So Jesus is the new covenant and Jesus's kingdom is an eternal forever kingdom. And Jesus tells us that this cup, which is poured out for you, the very final meal he's eating with him, the very final thing he wants to say to him, that this is the new covenant in my blood. And the Corinthians, Paul tells the Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, you're a new creature because you're under a new covenant. The old things have passed away. The new things have come. Jesus says, behold, I make all things new again. So he is the eternal kingdom. And then when he ascends back to the father, he still leaves a church behind, his bride, part of his body. And it's a universal kingdom. It's Catholic. It's for all people of all All nations, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he, God, brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the age to come. And he put all things subject and under his feet, and he gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This was his plan, to have a church. The church is what helps us stay safe until we get there. He told Peter, the first pope, that the gates of Hades would not overpower his church, ever. And Jesus said, when they were getting really sad, one of the last meals in John's gospel, Jesus told his disciples, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the spirit of truth who processes from the Father, he will testify about me. And you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning. These things I have spoken to you so that you may be kept from stumbling. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I've said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him the helper to you. Who's the helper? Yeah and he said when he comes the helper the holy spirit he will convict the world concerning sin that's one of the top jobs of the holy spirit he convicts us of sin in our life when you get that uncomfortable restless tension that's him convicting you and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they do not believe in me and concerning righteousness because i go to the father and you will no longer see me and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged who's the ruler of this world satan he's been judged how has he been judged straight to hell condemned he's been condemned i have many more things to say to you but you cannot bear them now but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth and he will not speak on his own initiative but whatever he hears he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come this is babel today this is babel where they had one language and they were all unified But they got pretty cocky and pretty full of themselves and they said we'll build a shem a name to ourselves we can go way up to god we don't need god we can be our own god we can be self-sufficient we can build a city of man that will rival the city of god in eden right that's what augustine wrote about the city of god babel gets reversed on pentecost day because now there are people with all different languages but they're now all able to understand again one language They're unified once again in their language. One language was confused and everyone was scattered. And at Pentecost, many languages were united and all were gathered under one roof. And that was the birthday of what? The church. The church was born that day. It's a total reversal of Babel. There were Jews in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. They were amazed. They were astonished. Why why aren't these people speaking Galileans? I mean, their language. How do we hear them in our own language? They were from, they were Parthenons and Medes and Elamites and Mesopotamia and and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt and Libya and Cyrene, people from Rome, proselytes, Cretans, Arabs. But we, all hear them in our own tongue speaking the mighty deeds of God. And they were all amazed and they were greatly perplexed. What does this mean? Others were mocking them and saying they're full of sweet wine. And Peter said, no. It's nine o'clock in the morning. They're not full of wine. They're inebriated by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a sober intoxication of the Holy Spirit. He's united us. We all hear in the same language. It's a reversal of Babel. The prophet Joel foretold this. You guys remember when Joel said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit. That's what's happening now. Babel's been reversed. And what did Peter say to them? By the power of the Holy Spirit, who's come down upon them. They said, Peter, oh, but what are we to do? What should we do? And what does Peter say? They're convinced Convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Peter says, repent, repent. Because the Holy Spirit's job is to convict the heart of sin repent each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit it's a promise for you and for your children and for all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call to himself and 3,000 Jews from all over the earth were baptized that day now there is still a Peter one leading us in this new covenant one who is speaking on behalf of the helper the Holy Spirit That's his mouthpiece. He's a mouthpiece for the Holy Spirit. He's a spiritual priest, a prophet, and a king. He has a divine authority from God assigned. There is still a new priesthood. It offers a living sacrifice to all because the father remembers just as he remembered Noah. And the Lord God smells the pleasing odor that is offered up to him in thanksgiving in a wrist. For all he has done, culminating in Jesus Christ, the final sacrifice once for all. The Pope on on, uh, the Holy Week, he breathes into the chrism oil. That's the oil for the sacramentum. For all seven sacraments that will be offered in the church that year, he breathes the Holy Spirit into that oil. For the oath of God, the Pope intercedes for all the people of God, all nations, non-Catholics too. He's always praying for non-Catholics. So all's well that ends well, right? Wrong. Because Noah got drunk. Noah got drunk. Noah passed out in the new creation. This is the first sin in the new creation. Noah gets drunk. Stop and think about it. Noah has three sons. He had many more probably living that many years. But three sons that are named in scripture. Adam had three sons that were named in scripture. Adam knew his wife again after their son Abel was murdered. And she, Eve, bore a son and she called him Seth. And she said, God has appointed for me another child instead of Abel because Cain slew him. And this son, this new baby Seth, was in his father, Adam's image. And whose image was Adam in? God's. Things are turning back to the Lord. He's a real chip off the old block. And Satan's going to be watching this kid because he might be the one that crushes my head, the offspring of woman. Cain's been banished east. Abel's dead and now we have Seth. He lives a hundred and five years before he becomes the father of Enosh. Enosh is also listed here in the genealogy of Luke. The son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So just as Adam had three sons, Noah in the new creation has three named sons. And there they are. Adam's three sons, the divine number, Noah's three sons. Shem, Ham, and Japheth belong to Noah. And from these three guys, the whole world is going to be peopled because God twice tells them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Noah was the first tiller of the new creation. He was a tiller of the soil. He planted what? A vineyard. Adam also was the first tiller of the new creation. And, And in that first account, he too was a gardener, a tiller of the soil. So was the new Adam, Jesus Christ, which they're both a type of. Jesus is the ultimate anti-type. But he was a gardener. Mary Mary Magdalene said, confused him for a gardener. Are you the gardener? Um, Noah drank the wine. The very first fruit of the new creation is going to be misused. Have we heard that before? Uh Uh-huh. The fruit of a new creation led Noah into sin. It was also the fruit of the first creation that led Adam into sin. Fruit's not bad. The fruit God gave was a good and perfect gift. It's the intention of man's heart. They disobeyed God. They wanted to be their own God. It's always that threefold invitation, temptation to sin, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And John says, this comes not from the Father, but from the world. And who is the prince of the world? Satan. Noah was the first tiller of the soil. He planted a vineyard. Noah drank of the wine and became drunk. This is Michelangelo's painting in the Sistine Chapel. Noah, at first, is a tiller of the soil, plants a vineyard, gets drunk, and here's what happens. He lay uncovered in his tent, and Ham, the father of Canaan, is thrown in, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, they laid it upon their shoulders, and they walked backward, and they covered the nakedness of their father. Well, wasn't that nice of them? What is going on? Their faces turned away. They did not see their father's nakedness when Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him. He said, Cursed be Canaan. A slave of slaves shall be to all his brothers. Cursed be Canaan? Who's Canaan? A slave of slaves. He shall be to all his brothers. Who's Canaan? It's a derivative of the same name, Cain. Cain and Canaan in the Hebrew. It's a derivative of that name. Sounds a lot like the Cain of the first creation. Cain, who had a bad countenance. Cain, who murdered his brother. Cain was the son of Adam, who was cursed and had to move east to the land of Nod. Now we hear Canaan, an eventual grandson of Noah. This is not one of Noah's sons. This is a grandson, if you check the genealogy, who's going to be cursed. Canaan will meet him in, they will meet him in nine months from now. Get it? Some people are saying, what? they will meet Canaan in nine months. And Moses makes it very clear in the rest of the story of Torah when he will use this phrase several times to uncover nakedness very clearly in, in Leviticus. Leviticus 20, we have some of the sexual <laughs> sins because fallen man now has a disorderment. And they are doing, they're, because of concupiscence, they're following the beastly part of themselves. Instead of the spirit nature, they're following more the fleshly nature, the beastly nature. So we see things developing like adultery. And here in verse 11, the man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. It's a Hebrew idiom for maternal incest. Both of them shall be put to death. Their blood is upon them. He also condemns if a man lies with his daughter-in-law, if a man lies with a male as a woman, as with a woman, if a man takes a wife and her mother also, if a man lies with a beast bestiality. It's that beastly nature taking over the spirit nature in the internal struggle of concupiscence. And God is condemning it, but he's teaching these fallen people. So the man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. God is teaching because they don't have the law yet. They don't know the rules. They're fallen. In the beginning, it wasn't like this, but now evil had encompassed them. And and man's every inclination, his intention of his heart is evil. So We see the brothers. Uh, this This is a Hebrew idiom. It's a poetic way of saying maternal incest. And who's going to get cursed is the fruit of the womb, the fruit of the maternal incest, the grandson, Canaan. Ham is the father of Canaan with his mother, most likely. What does Canaan go to become? Canaan, the promised land. What is going on? Moses has explained this. To uncovered nakedness is that Hebrew idiom for incest. Here's Leviticus 18, all the different uncovering of nakedness. They're all incestual relations that God has condemned, but they don't have this law yet. So the fruit of the uncovering of nakedness is cursed fruit. This is Noah and his two sons that covered him up. That's Ham and Mrs. Noah. And why did Ham do this? Why might Ham do this? His father's passed out drunk. It may have been a power play to take over, to become the leader, to become the top dog, taking his mother's, Noah's wife. It happened again with Jacob and his oldest son, Reuben, and his first wife Leah and it's why Reuben did not get the blessing even though he was the first son of the 12 tribes of Israel he should have had the blessing and the birthright but on Jacob's deathbed he says Reuben you're my firstborn son my might the fruit of my strength preeminent in pride and preeminent in power but unstable as water you shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed and then you defiled it you went up into my couch that's another way of saying that he took his wife Leah, and made a power play to become the leader. And so God is teaching them. This is Ham. This is Mrs. Noah. Cursed is the fruit of her womb from the incestuous sin. And that will be Cana nine months from now. Cursed be Cana, a slave of slaves, shall he be to his brothers. And Cana will go settle in this land called Cana. And you know that this land will be a thorn in the side of the Israelites because they're supposed to take over this land, this promised land. And who resides there? Cana's people. Ham's son Cana from incest and his people like the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Archites, the Sinites, the Arvidites, the Zemurites, and the Hamathites. And they got to get in there and take over this land from them. And also the territory of the Canaanites extended from Sidon in the direction of what? Sodom and Gomorrah, which we will learn about in Genesis 19. And you'll see more sexual dysfunction. So we go on in Genesis 10 to see who the descendants of Noah are, these three sons that peopled the world, where they landed, who their uh, lines were. And we'll be looking back to see who they belong to and why they might have done what they did. Uh, but I will tell you that the one uh, one stayed monotheistic, believing in one God, the one true God of Israel, that was Shem. The other two became polytheists. They worshiped many gods. And from Shem will come Abraham and will be the line of Jesus Christ. Noah blessed Shem. Shem has the father's blessing now. Cana will be his slave. Japheth will dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his slave. Canaan will be cursed. So from Shem's lineage, one day is going to spring the father of our faith, Abraham. He's in the line of Shem. And so is Jesus Christ eventually. So another cool thing about Shem, and we'll talk about it more next time, Shem is going to outlive Abraham. And if you do the math, and we had an engineer in the day class and he made a spreadsheet and he did the math himself because he he didn't want to take my word for it. And and I'm glad he did because I will take his word for it. He's meticulous, Deacon Tom Burton. And it is true, Shem outlived Abraham. So that Canaan will be a grandson. Noah's great-grandson was the first Nimrod. His great-grandson is named Nimrod. Does anyone here have a Nimrod? I have five of them. <laughs> Six, if you count, Steve, but no. Um, literally, it's a skill, it really is a good name. It means a skillful hunter in the Hebrew, but in North America, if you look in the dictionary, we call it an inept person, a real Nimrod. So Nimrod was uh, a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. It's Noah's great-grandson, Nimrod. Uh, He will settle in Babel, which we're going to see. Something's built there tonight in the land of Shinar. Babel will go on to become what? Babylon. You've heard of Assyria? You've heard of Nineveh, where Noah went. Uh, and you've heard of Castelahim, whence came the Philistines. You've heard of the Philistine giant named Goliath. These will all be enemies of Israel. And they all we can trace them all back to the table of nations in Genesis 10. There's, there's Goliath, the Philistine. So the whole earth had one language and few words. And men migrated from the east. And they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they settled there. That's Babel. And it'll become Babylon. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. Make them real hard. We can build something. They had brick and stone and bitumen bittum, uh, and mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city. They're coming from the city of God. They're going to make the city of man and a tower with its top in the heavens. We can do this ourselves. We can go as high as we want. We can be our own God. And let us make a name for ourselves. And so they did, they started building and they built a tower in the land of Shinar in Babel, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. They're going to build a city unto themselves. And the Lord came down to see what was up. He came down to see the tower, which the sons of men had built. Notice it doesn't say which the sons of God had built, the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do now will be impossible for them. So the inclination of their heart is evil. They're full of concupiscence. They want to build a name for themselves. They want to build their own city. They want to do away with God. They want to be self-sufficient. And God says, there is no end to what they might do. They're full of themselves. They don't want God. Come, let us. Who's he talking to? God. Come, let us go down come on, Holy Spirit and Jesus, let's go. It's the Trinity, right? In a spiritual way, come let us go down there and confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth and they left off building the city. They're gone. They scatter. Therefore, the name was called Babel because the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord God scattered them abroad the face of the earth. That was very, very, very merciful of God. And you say, what? it's like in the garden, kind of, they're going to self-destruct. They're going to destroy themselves. Their every inclination is evil. They're full of themselves. They're building their own city. If he separates their language and scatters them, that'll give God some time to work, to redeem them, right? For his plan. They're going to destroy themselves building a thing unto themselves. So Babel was reversed on Pentecost Day in the New Covenant. One language was confused and scattered across the face of the earth because of God's mercy. And because of God's mercy, many languages were again united and gathered as one body of Christ on the birth of the church on the first Christian Pentecost. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise and thank you for your merciful love. You are so, your design is so ordered and so beautiful, and you take the chaos and you just organize it in such a beautiful way, all with Jesus Christ in the back of your mind, who will be the culmination of your final covenant and your plan for us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the seven sacramentum. Thank you that you sevened yourself with this oath for us, and that some of these things you give us are renewable when we bring break our end of the con- of the covenant. You don't, but you have a way for us to heal and come back into communion with you. And we praise you for that. And we say, glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. That was part two of the book of Genesis, chapters 10 and 11 on Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran. To learn more about Seeking Truth Bible Studies, visit SeekingTruth.net. Tune in next time for more Seeking Truth with Sharon Doran.